Okay. Show me. Sometimes that is better. Welcome to the Prairie Land Paranormal Podcast. Be sure you never, ever scream. A podcast where we will explore the dark corners of our world, the weird, the creepy, and the strange. There are no accidents, no coincidences. I am your host, Eric Carrier. The boogeyman is real. And they must be coming night. My co-host is Jessica Carrier. Thank you for joining us for a journey into the unknown. Be one of us. Let's get started with today's show. Hey guys, welcome to the show. This is the Prairie Land Paranormal Podcast and I am your host, Eric Carrier. I am here as always with my wife and my co-host, Jessica. Jessica, what do we have in store for our listeners today? Today we're going to be discussing dreaming. So Jess, this is a topic that you chose. What is it that you find interesting about dreaming? Well, I find it interesting that dreaming is universal. We all dream, but it still remains a source of mystery for scientists and psychologists about what dreaming really is. So what are we going to be discussing about dreaming? We're going to be talking about some current theories like the science behind dreaming, if we can control our dreams, and if dreams can predict the future. Jess, you are a prolific dreamer. Yes, I am. Where I'm on the totally opposite end of the spectrum, and I rarely remember my dreams at all. Well, that seems to be the case for a lot of people, and we're going to be taking a look at that too. If you are a new listener and you're here for the first time, welcome. If you've been around for a while, welcome back. We know that there are a lot of podcasts out there that are competing for your time, and we appreciate you giving that time to us. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the show. If you would like to support our show, there are a few ways that you can do that. First, please share and keep sharing the show. This is by far the most important thing you can do to help our show continue to grow. Next, please remember to keep voting for us each month in the Paranormal Top 25. This is sponsored by Paranormality Magazine, and you can vote for us at www.paranormalitymag.com. Another way to support our show is to check out our merch store, or consider leaving a tip or a review. We want to thank JJ for the recent tip. JJ, that tip was matched and sent to Operation Underground Railroad. Thank you for supporting us and a worthy cause. And lastly, come hang out with us on social media. We have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and love to hang out with you and meet you guys there. All of those accounts, our merch store, and our tip jar can be accessed through our website at www.prairielandparanormalpodcast.com. Jess, is there anything else? Nope. All right, let's get started with today's show. Most people dream at one time or another. Some of us may live what feels like entire lifetimes in our dreams, while others may rarely remember their dreams at all. Dreams are stories and images generated in our minds while we sleep. Stories that can be entertaining, fun, romantic, disturbing, frightening, and even sometimes bizarre. And while dreaming is a universal event, there still remains a lot of mystery surrounding it. There are several theories about why we dream 
and possible explanations suggest that dreams most likely represent our unconscious desires and our wishes, but they could also be interpreting random signals from our brain and our body during sleep. In this process, we are consolidating and processing information gathered during the day, and to some degree, this works as a form of free psychotherapy. Psychologists have offered different ideas and meanings for the function of dreams. Sigmund Freud, for instance, held the belief that dreams are a window into our unconscious mind. He said that dreams represent memories, emotions, and feelings that we try to suppress in our waking life. His student Carl Jung regarded dreams as a representation of the integration of our conscious and unconscious lives. He called this process individuation. Some psychologists don't believe in the subconscious, and they believe that dreams are nothing more than a result of random brain activity that occurs while we sleep. They conclude that dreams are a way of processing information from our daily lives to stop emotions from overheating. They believe that dreams are nothing more than psychological junk that has no inherent meaning. There are significant differences between the neuroscientific and psychoanalytic approaches to dream analysis. For instance, Neuroscientists are interested in the structures involved in the dream production, organization, and narratability. However, psychoanalysts concentrate on the meaning of the dreams and place them in the context of relationships in the history of the dreamer. Neuroscientists have linked dreaming to rapid eye movement, or the fifth phase of the sleep cycle. When people awaken during REM sleep, they often describe bizarre and illogical tales This stage of sleep counts for 20 to 25% of our total sleep time. Neuroscientists have also concluded that the right and the left hemispheres of our brain also seem to contribute in different ways to dreaming. Researchers of one study concluded that the left hemisphere seems to provide dream origin, while the right hemisphere provides dream vividness, figurativeness, and effective activation level. A study of adolescents, ages 10 through 17, found that those who were left-handed were more likely to experience lucid dreams and to remember dreams within other dreams. Our lifestyles and everyday life also probably contribute. What goes through our minds just before we fall asleep likely affects the content of our dreams. For example, during exam prep, students may dream about the course content People in a relationship may dream about their partner, or a web developer may see code. This suggests that dreams are re-emerging elements from our everyday life. Studies have also been done to examine the different characters that appear in dreams and if a dreamer could identify them. A study of 320 adults, 48% of characters represented a person known to the dreamer. 35% of characters were identified by their social role. For example, a policeman, or relationship to the dreamer such as a friend. 16% were not recognized. Among named characters, 32% were identified by appearance, 21% were identified by behavior, 45% were identified by face, and 44% were identified by just knowing. Another study investigated the relationship between dream emotion and dream character identification. 
This study showed that affection and joy were commonly associated with known characters. Memories also seem to play a part in our dreams. Freud maintains that undesirable memories could become suppressed in the mind. He believed that dreams ease this repression and allow these memories to be recalled. A study showed that sleep does not help people forget unwanted memories. Instead, REM sleep might even counteract the voluntary suppression of memories, making them more accessible for retrieval. Two types of effects help us to incorporate memories into dreams. The first is the day residue effect, where recent events from the day or preceding day affect our dreams. The second is the dream lag effect, where dreams involve events that have been delayed by about a week. This is because certain types of experiences take about a week to become encoded into our long-term memory. The dream lag effect has been reported in about 65% of dream reports. There are two types of memories that can form the basis of a dream. These are autobiographical memories or long-lasting memories about the self or episodic memories, which are memories about specific episodes or events. Researchers suggest that episodic memories are re-experienced fragmentally and selectively during dreaming. The purpose may be to integrate these memories into the long-lasting autobiographical memory. This supports the hypothesis that dreams reflect waking life experiences. In short, don't be surprised if your daytime experiences, symptoms, and problems show up in your dreams. It's also not unusual for dreams to have recurring themes. Themes can be linked to the suppression of unwanted thoughts. Unfortunately, our minds then increase the occurrence of that thought in dreams. Typical dreams are defined as themes that are similar to those reported by a high percentage of dreamers. Dream journaling and questionnaires have shown that there are 55 typical dream themes over different sample populations. These include themes such as schools, teachers, and studying, being chased or pursued, dying, falling, flying or soaring through the air, being nude, losing teeth, being inappropriately dressed, and being unable to find a toilet. If I know anything about dreaming, is that you never use a toilet in your dreams. <laughs> no, don't do that. It's not likely to turn out well for you. Some people like to try to assign meaning to their dreams. Ultimately, there are an infinite number of dreams and an infinite number of interpretations. However, there are some familiarities and common interpretations. The article, What Do Your Dreams Really Mean? by Kendra Cherry has some great insights on some of the common dreams we have. If you stick around for the second half of the show, we'll be talking about some of these common dream meanings and some of their common interpretations. One form of dreaming I find really interesting is lucid dreaming, which is being fully aware of the fact that you're dreaming and being able to manipulate the dream elements and outcome. Not everyone is able to do this, but it can be mastered. According to some research, around 50% of all people have lucid dreams at some time in their lives, with just over 10% experiencing at least one lucid dream a month. Aristotle mentioned lucid dreaming in his discourse on dreams, describing a time when he was self-aware during his dream state. Not all people are able to lucid dream at the same degree. 
The degree to which a person can influence their dreams varies. Some people wake up immediately when they realize they are dreaming. Others can influence their own actions in the dream. And some people can actually change parts of the dream narrative. Lucid dreaming can have practical applications. It can be therapeutic when addressing things such as nightmares or especially recurring nightmares. This could in turn improve quality of life. The process of learning to lucid dream to stop nightmares is called lucid dream therapy. Using lucid dream therapy to either stop or change the outcome of the nightmare gives the dreamer a measure of control over their lives and allows them to fight back. There are several techniques to learning to lucid dream. Dr. Asby of the University of Adelaide in Australia is a researcher who specializes in lucid dreaming. He and his colleagues have recommended and tested three common techniques for inducing lucid dreaming. The first is reality testing. This technique involves verifying whether or not you are dreaming, both in real life and during a dream. Throughout the day, a person may want to ask themselves, am I dreaming right now? As they try to make their hand pass through a solid wall. This technique relies on intention. In real life, a wall will remain solid, but in a dream, the hand will easily pass through it. The dreamer could also check reality by reading a line of text. In real life, if we read the text on a poster, it will stay the same when we reread it. In a dream, however, the text will constantly shift. Conducting these experiments repeatedly throughout the day can make it easier to remember and conduct them during the dreams, which helps the dreamer gain awareness of them. This seems to be very similar to the technique that's used in the movie Inception, where they use the totems to test reality. Cobb in that movie uses a top, and as long as the top keeps spinning, he's in a dream, but if it topples over, he's back into reality. Yeah, there was a scene in the show Evil where Kristen is having problems with some really horrible nightmares and she writes some words on a poster and puts it above her bed and then when she's dreaming she focuses on those words and when they blur and change then she knows that she's in a dream and that she has control and it doesn't bother her anymore. So another technique to induce lucid dreaming includes waking and going back to bed. This technique requires setting an alarm to wake yourself up around five to six hours after going to sleep. Once you are awake, you try to stay awake a while before going back to sleep. This technique is aimed to immerse the sleeper immediately into REM, which is the phase of sleep that people are most likely to experience lucid dreaming. The last technique is called mnemonic induction. This procedure requires intent and a lot of practice. With mnemonic induction, you will repeat specific phrases to yourself before going to bed. An example phrase would be something like, tonight I will notice that I'm dreaming. This phrasing helps program your mind to reach lucidity while dreaming. Will you be successful? Maybe. Dr. Aspie said that in his experience, when it comes to lucid dreaming, the strongest predictor of whether you will have lucid dreams or not is how good you are at remembering your ordinary dreams. So in other words, I'd be more likely to lucid dream than you, Eric. Yes, being someone who does not remember their dreams very often, I'm very unlikely to be successful at lucid dreaming. If you're interested in exploring your dreams with full awareness, it may be useful to keep a dream journal 
and to write your dreams in these journals with as much detail as possible. Another thing that makes lucid dreams more possible is mindfulness through meditation. With regular practice and meditation, a person can be trained to be more aware of themselves and their surroundings in general. If you are more aware during the day, you are more likely to be more aware as you dream. There are some concerns and risks associated with lucid dreaming. One concern, however, is more of a myth. Some people worry that they might get stuck in a lucid dream. This, however, is not possible, primarily because there's only a certain amount of sleep and dreaming you can do each night. With each dream state lasting from only a few seconds to 30 minutes, eventually you're going to wake up. Another common concern has to do with the amount of focus and effort it takes to lucid dream. People worry that with all this effort, they will in fact lessen the sleep they end up getting and become sleep deprived. However, the lucid dreamers that Dr. Aspie has worked with report no difference in their sleep or sleep quality. There is one risk factor that has been a concern for some doctors, and that has to do with people who have regular waking hallucinations. This would include people with a psychiatric diagnosis like schizophrenia. In these conditions, lucid dreaming may actually exacerbate the situation and make treatment harder. There are also some people who are highly vulnerable to suggestions, who may have a hard time disassociating real life from dream life. These people should probably not try to practice lucid dreaming. It is important to consider your own personality and whether lucid dreaming is right for you before you begin. Now let's talk about nightmares. Nightmares are distressing dreams that cause the dreamer to feel a number of distressing emotions. Common reactions to nightmares include fear and anxiety. They can occur in both adults and children and can be caused by stress, fear, trauma, emotional difficulties, illness, or the use of certain medications or drugs. It is also true that certain foods can be so-called nightmare fuel. A few peer-reviewed studies have found that food may in fact affect your dreams. In 2015, a study published by Nielsen and his colleagues in Frontiers in Psychology reported that 17.8% of nearly 400 college graduate students reported that their dreams were affected by the food they ate or by eating late at night. The most commonly blamed food was dairy, but some students also pointed their fingers at sugary, spicy, starchy, or meaty foods. In 2018, Burger King released the Nightmare Burger, which they claimed would induce nightmares if eaten before sleep. The sandwich included one quarter pound of beef, a crispy chicken filet, melted American cheese, thick cut bacon, mayonnaise, and onions on a green sesame seed bun. They even conducted a scientific study that showed that the burger increased the rate of nightmares 3.5 times compared to the general population. Food experts and scientists were of course skeptical, but one thing is clear, what we eat may influence our dreams. Many people believe that dreams provide guidance. Anciently, some gave more mystical meanings to dreams, believing they were messages from the gods, could tell the future, awaken spiritual powers, give the dreamer an understanding of their past spiritual life, or provide life direction. 
The Bible mentions prophetic dreams of people like King Nebuchadnezzar and Pharaoh. But obviously, all dreams aren't prophetic, or else there would be many more math tests with naked people in them. (laughs) I don't know. All of those dreams I've had about toilets seem to be pretty prophetic. (laughs) In the Bible, the story of Joseph both emphasizes prophetic dreams as well as the ability of interpreting dreams. Joseph was the son of Jacob, who was sold into Egypt and worked as a slave. Eventually, he was sent to prison. In prison, he interpreted dreams for some of the prisoners. One of these prisoners was pardoned and returned to the service of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's counselors, sorcerers, and magicians were having trouble interpreting one of his dreams. The former prisoner, remembering the gifts of Joseph, recommended that Pharaoh go to him to interpret his dream. Pharaoh had a dream that he was standing by the Nile, and there came seven cows, attractive and plump. These cows fed on the reed grass. Then came seven other cows, ugly and thin. They came and stood by the plump cows. Pharaoh then awoke and had another dream. The second dream consisted of seeing seven plump ears of corn that were growing on one stalk. Then the stalk sprouted seven ears of thin, blighted corn. The thin ears swallowed up the seven plump ears. Pharaoh was very distressed about this dream and was upset that no one could seem to interpret it. Eventually, Pharaoh heard of Joseph's unique ability. He sent for him and Joseph, through the power of God, interpreted his dream. Joseph's explanation was that the fat cows and the fat ears of corn represented seven years of plenty, when Egypt would have great harvests. The seven skinny cows and the blighted ears represented seven years of famine that were to follow the seven years of plenty. The Pharaoh then appointed Joseph to be his chief counselor and set him in charge of preparing Egypt for the seven years of famine. Another prophetic dream discussed in the Bible had to do with the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel was a great prophet of the Old Testament who interpreted dreams. When King Nebuchadnezzar had a troubling dream, he went to all of his magicians, astrologers, and sorcerers to interpret this dream, but they couldn't. He not only wanted the sorcerers to interpret the dream, but he wanted them to tell him what his dream was. If the sorcerers guessed inaccurately, they were put to death. Daniel volunteered his services to the king. He prayed to the Lord and then told King Nebuchadnezzar not only his dream, but the interpretation of it. Daniel's actions were brave in many aspects. Not only was he facing death if he failed, but the dream's interpretation meant that King Nebuchadnezzar was soon to be replaced. There have been many situations where people have felt as though they've received inspiration through dreams. There are many examples of scientists making discoveries after helpful or inspiring dreams. For instance, Russian chemist Dmitry Mendeleev, the father of the periodic table of elements, was struggling to find a way to organize each element. He didn't know how to make the chart organized in such a way that it could be both logical and understandable so that scientists could use this table in a practical way. He had been praying for months for a solution. In 1869, he wrote the element's names on one card and the properties of the element on another card. He saw the atomic weight as important, but couldn't find a pattern. 
He moved these cards around for hours trying to make order out of the chaos, eventually falling asleep at his desk. Mendeleev had a dream, which guided him to the perfect solution. Telling of his dream, Mendeleev said, In a dream, I saw a table where all the elements fell into place as required. Awakening, I immediately wrote it down on a piece of paper. A logical arrangement to the order of the periodic table of elements was made possible through inspiration received from a dream. Aromatic chemist August Kekuli had been working on figuring out how the atoms in benzene were arranged. This was difficult because the ratio of carbon and hydrogen atoms was different than any other hydrocarbon compound. One night in 1865, he was in his room trying to solve this problem when he dozed off in his chair by a warm fire. He then was assaulted by a strange dream. He began dreaming of atoms dancing. The atoms gradually arranged themselves into the shape of a snake, a benzene snake. Then the snake turned around and bit its own tail. This image of the snake tail in its mouth continued to dance before his eyes. When Kegeli awoke, he realized that the dream had given him the solution. Benzene molecules are made up of rings of carbon atoms. The understanding of how these aromatic chemical rings attach to each other has opened up many important new fields of chemistry and the understanding of chemical bonds. Dreams of inspiration are not only manifest through chemistry, mathematics has been inspired through dreams as well. Mathematician Srinivasa Ramanujan produced more than 4,000 proofs, identities, conjectures, and equations in mathematics, primarily in the fields of elliptical functions and number theory. Ramanujan died in 1920 at the age of 32, but in his short lifetime he was so influential in the subject of mathematics that his colleagues at Cambridge University rated him as one of the best mathematicians on the basis of pure talent. When asked about his talent, Ramanujan said that the Hindu goddess Namagiri would appear in his dream showing him mathematical proofs, which he would write down as he woke. Here is how he described these dreams. While asleep, I had an unusual experience. There was a red screen formed from flowing blood, as it were. I was observing it. Suddenly a hand began to write on the screen. I became all attention. The hand wrote a number of elliptical integrals. They stuck to my mind. As soon as I woke up, I committed them to writing. Pharmacologist Otto Leoe was sure that nerve signals were transmitted using chemical instructions, but he couldn't prove this and couldn't come up with an idea of how he could scientifically prove this idea to himself and the world. In 1920, Liaoi had a dream that the problem was solved. He awoke excitedly during the night and scribbled notes from his dream. Unfortunately, in the morning, he couldn't remember the dream, and his notes were so scribbled they didn't make any sense. The next night, he dreamed about the problem again, and the dream was about an experiment he could use to prove this idea. This time, he remembered his dream and proceeded to carry out the experiment given in his dream. The experiment was successful, and he was able to prove to the scientific community at large 
that signaling across nerve synapses was indeed chemical. This research and experimentation changed the world of medicine and won him the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 1936. Dreams of scientific discoveries have helped identify fossils, species, and even helped to create the scientific method. If more great minds were probed about significant discoveries, we may see that there is more help from the dream dimension than we thought. All right, folks, that is going to complete the first part of the show. If you will stick around after the break, we're going to discuss dream interpretation. We're going to talk about who remembers their dreams, who forgets their dreams, who dreams in color, and how physical disabilities may affect dreaming. We're also going to go down the rabbit hole of if dreams take us to another dimension. Transmission from the heart of Cajun country. I am Travis Maxwell Boone, host of the nightclub. Together with my fellow fiends, Angel and Ricky, we commune beneath the bone white moon to discuss horror films, dark historical accounts, supernatural happenings, creepy cryptids, and all things that roam the dark bowers of man's domain and go bump in the night. You can commune with us by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Please visit our official website, thenightclub.fireside.fm, for more. Join us, embrace the darkness, and stay spooky. We are back. As promised, let's get into a discussion on dream meanings. Jessica, what are some of the most common dream themes? Well, I mean, a huge one. I'm pretty sure that almost everyone has a dream about this, and that's falling. So the theory with this is that if you hit the ground, you're going to die, right? Well, you know, I've heard that. I've heard that, except that I've had dreams where I've actually hit the ground, or not just hit the ground, but hit a trampoline and bounced right back up again. So obviously you don't die. Well, you didn't die, but how do we know that Bill, Bob, Joe, or Jane didn't die because they hit the ground in their sleep? You know, that's a good point. You don't know. I mean, I just know that in my dreams, I've had several where I've fallen and not died. I've hit the ground and not died. So I guess it is possible that you could die, but it pretty much is a myth in that you're not always going to die. I can concur that I have had some dreams in which I've been falling, but typical for me is not a long fall, but a short fall. And what I mean by that is that I'll be walking down the street in my dream and trip and fall off the curb or something. But it is the same feeling of falling or airtime that you get on a roller coaster. It feels very, very real. So what does science say that dreams about falling actually mean? Well, popular interpretations infer that this means something isn't going well in your life. 
So maybe you need to take another direction in your life or to rethink a recent incident. Falling could also symbolize a real fear that you're facing in life. This could be something you need to face and overcome in order to really enjoy your life fully. Now, I've already said that I don't remember a lot of my dreams, but one dream that I can remember having recurrently is that of losing my teeth. They just simply turn to paste and fall out of my mouth. Have you ever had that before, Jess? Yes, I've had it many times. And sometimes they turn to paste. Sometimes they just pop out one at a time. Sometimes it's like shark teeth where they come out and then more come in and they just keep coming out. Sometimes they get rubbery. It's just such a weird sensation. Turns out this is actually very, very common. And there are several different interpretations. One of the interpretations is is that you are worried about your attractiveness or your appearance. Hmm, that's interesting. On a different note, some people believe it means that you are concerned about your ability to communicate. This is what Penny Price says, who is the author of the Dream Dictionary for Dummies. She wrote this. She says, The essence of teeth is their ability to bite through, to cut, tear, and grind, she explains. If your teeth fall out, you lose personal power and your ability to be assertive, decisive, and self-protective. So, Jess, if you had to choose one of those particular interpretations, what do you think your dreams about losing your teeth might represent? I think probably I lean more to the loss of personal power in your life. Like, you need to be more assertive or decisive. I would say it's probably a representation of my ability to communicate. I don't always communicate well with others. And perhaps that's showing up in my dreams with me losing my teeth. Jessica, you're not the best communicator either. Oh, I am wonderful at communicating. You're just not very good at understanding. (laughs) All right. The next common theme is naked and taking a test. What's up with that one? I don't think I've ever experienced that one. Well, have you ever experienced either being naked or taking a test in your dreams? Not that. I'm fully aware of. Okay, this is a common theme in my dreams. I'm almost always like I have this dream where I'm naked and it's so scary. I'm like at school or somewhere in public. And then on top of that, a lot of times you add taking a test to that. So let's break it down individually. What does being naked represent? Being naked might indicate that you feel like a phony or that you're afraid of revealing your imperfections or your shortcomings. Which, honestly, that that could make sense for me. How about taking a test? That most likely represents a fear of failing, which is also a common shortcoming, which is why they show up together a lot of times. Yeah, the author, uh, Craig Hamilton Parker, he uh, wrote a book called Hidden Meanings of Dreams. His explanation says this, Examinations are stressful experiences in which you are made to face up to your shortcomings. To dream of failing an exam, being late for one, or being unprepared shows that you are feeling unprepared for the challenges of waking life. So yeah, it totally makes sense that taking a test and or showing up to school naked for a test would be in the same dream category. Yeah. All right, Jess, should we talk about flying dreams? I think we should. One thing, though, I think we should talk about is that in most people's flying dreams, I'm assuming that they're flying normal 
But in my flying dreams, I'm always flying backwards and I can't see where I'm going. So it's really scary. It's not this exhilarating flying feeling. It's being sucked into some kind of imaginary portal type feeling. My dreams about flying aren't necessarily flying. They're more floating. I just seem to kind of like levitate off the ground and then can't go anywhere. Yeah. So for me, it's more of a feeling of being trapped and not being able to proceed forward or move or anything like that. So for both of us, it's kind of a negative thing. But for some people, it can be exciting or liberating. But for a lot of people, it can be like us and be frightening. So the common interpretation of this dream actually has two very different sides. On one hand, such dreams can represent feelings of freedom and independence. And on the other hand, they can also indicate a desire to flee or escape the realities of life. I suspect that mine represent that I want to flee the responsibilities of life, but I can't. So that's why when I fly in my dreams, I'm stuck. I still don't know what my flying dreams mean. (laughs) Well, you're going backwards in your dreams. So perhaps it means that in some way you're also wanting to step back from the realities of life. Yeah, that is a good point. All right, I'm bringing this one up for you because you are constantly having dreams about being pregnant. Yes. Have you had any dreams of being pregnant? I've never been pregnant in my dreams. No, (laughs) not ever. I've had these dreams since I was like 10, where you wake up and you're pregnant. And most of the time, I don't even know how I got pregnant or who's the father of my baby. I'm just pregnant. Or sometimes I wake up and I'm in the middle of labor And that's a really horrible thing to dream about and wake up at. I remember one dream that you had early in our first pregnancy where you dreamed that you gave birth to a litter of puppies. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even remember that dream. (laughs) So this is another dream that seems to have multiple sides. So some people believe that this represents anything from creativity to fear while others believe that it could be that the dreamer is wanting to develop more potential or a deepening of a relationship. But there is one interpretation that simply states that it could be a woman's fear of being an inadequate mother. So how would you interpret your dreams about pregnancy then, Jess? Well, in dreams where I have actually am a mother... Um, It could, you know, indicate inadequacies that I feel or fears about being a mother. But in dreams where I wasn't actually a mother, it probably represented more of a fear of being pregnant in itself or the pain or something like that. Other common themes that we don't really have time to go into are being chased, dying, and as we've already discussed, not being able to find a toilet. But I think we can all interpret that one. It just simply means you've got to pee. (laughs) So another important aspect of this I think we need to discuss is why certain people remember their dreams vividly and why certain people just forget their dreams. While researchers don't know for certain, there is evidence that suggests that age has a bearing on whether or not you remember your dreams. Yeah, so research has showed that the dream recall progressively decreases once a person reaches adulthood. And because of this, dreams become less intense over time. The funny thing is, is this does not seem to affect people in their older age, 
people who are older, that is elderly, do tend to still have very vivid dreams. It could also be dependent on your gender. Typically, men experience this evolution faster than women. So what you're saying there is that the dreams of men become less vivid over time as compared to women? Yes, exactly. So research also shows that just because you don't remember your dreams doesn't mean that you're not dreaming. Anyone over the age of 10 years old is probably dreaming between four and six times each night. That's kind of interesting. So Eric, you are dreaming. You just don't remember it. Oh, I, I know I'm dreaming. I just don't remember my dreams when I wake up. And that's because research actually shows that 50% of a dream is forgotten within the first five minutes, with 90% being forgotten in the additional five minutes or within 10 minutes of the dream completion. So what this means is that most dreams are entirely forgotten by the time someone wakes up. So does this mean that the dreams you remember are the ones that you had right before waking up? Yes, I would say that that would be correct. That would be the dream that would be most vivid in your mind and would be closest to the five-minute recall window. So sometimes I have dreams in sequence where I'll remember one dream and then another dream, and they'll be like up to three or four dreams that I remember in a row. I wonder if that would mean that those would be the dreams, the four dreams or so that I had before I woke up. Or maybe they're the last dreams I had before I woke up several times during the night. I think that's probably the case. You're having sleep-wake cycles, and as a result of that sleep-wake cycles, you're having multiple dreams and multiple five-minute windows. The next interesting thing that we'd like to talk about is whether you dream in color or black and white. Do you dream in color or black and white? Well, I believe I dream in color. I can't say that with 100% certainty, but I know for a fact that I've had dreams in color, but because I don't remember my dreams very often, it's very difficult for me to state that I absolutely dream always in color or always in black and white, but my perception is that I dream in color. How about yourself? I definitely dream in color. I don't ever remember a black and white dream. Maybe I've had one, but usually it's in color. So as it turns out, people under the age of 30 say that they dream in color 80% of the time, whereas people over the age of 60 report that they only dream in color 20% of the time. Why do you suppose that is? Well, there's one interesting theory, and that is color television. People in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s have all lived in a time in which there was color television. But people over the age of 60 have lived in a time where there was black and white television. So it's possible that this older generation is experiencing more black and white dreaming because they grew up in a generation in which there was black and white televisions. Hmm. Very interesting, huh? Yeah, that is. Whether a dream was in black and white or color, it has nothing to do with the vividness. People still report that regardless of black and white or color, their dreams are still very vivid. That's interesting, too. I was thinking about that, and it seems like they would be less vivid if they are black and white. But I guess dreams don't often have to do with what you see. It's what you feel, what you smell, what you hear, and it can still be very vivid even if it's black and white. Speaking of feeling and seeing and hearing, 
That takes us into another interesting aspect of dreaming, which is how people with physical disabilities experience dreaming. For instance, Jess, how would you think someone who's been blind from birth would experience dreaming? Um, I would expect it would be dark and maybe a whole bunch of sounds and touch. Do you think that their dreams would be any less vivid than ours? Um, probably not. They probably still would be vivid. What do you think? I think that they still experience vivid dreams. They just experience them more with their other senses than they do with their actual eyes, which is actually what research has shown. People who have been blind, let's say from birth, still have dreams that are very emotional or thematic, but those feelings tend to go out to their other senses, such as auditory or tactile or gustatory or olfactory. So it means that they're, they're not just seeing their dreams, they're experiencing them in a totally different way. They're hearing and they're feeling and they're eating and they're smelling. And I find that very interesting. That is. Uh, what is gustatory? I know what the other ones are, but I don't know what a gustatory means. That is eating. Okay. Or experiencing something through taste. It's also interesting that people who were deaf often had dreams where they were able to hear and speak. And people with paraplegia were often able to have dreams in which they were fully functioning, walking, running, swimming, doing anything that a able-bodied person would be able to do. See, I find that interesting, that if someone who's blind doesn't dream with sight, but someone who has never walked before dreams of walking. Well, consider it this way. Someone with paraplegia was probably not born with paraplegia, right? They were probably involved in some sort of an accident or had some sort of an injury that resulted in them becoming a paraplegic. So they've actually had these physical sensations at some point in their life. Now, there are people who have been born with disabilities that make it so that they can't walk or use their limbs, but they seem to also be having these dreams where they are fully functioning. I wonder if it has anything to do with the, the fact that they see other people doing these things. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's the case. They see people walking, they see people running, they see people swimming, and it just becomes natural to incorporate these things into their dreams, even though they are not able to fully do these things themselves. The other interesting part about this is that it's not that their brain doesn't know how to do these things. It's that their body doesn't know how to respond to these things. So if dreaming is coming from the brain, it makes complete sense that these people would be able to have dreams of being fully functioning, even though they're not fully functioning. All right, Jessica, so there was one more theory that we wanted to cover. This was a theory that you came across, and it's definitely a rabbit hole, and it's the multiverse theory of dreaming. So, Jessica, take us down that rabbit hole. What's this all about? Well, first of all, I love rabbit holes, and so we're going to go there. Um, the idea of the multiverse theory is that there are an infinite number of universes with an infinite number of ourselves in those universes. And as we dream, it may give us glimpses of our other selves in those universes. So based on this theory, through dreaming, we would actually be viewing 
are other uses in these other dimensions or other universes? Yes, and it would feel like we're part of that world. And this particular theory actually explains some paranormal and uh, scientific phenomenon that may make little sense in our real world. Such as? Ghosts. If maybe if there's more than one universe, ghosts could be occurring in places where the barrier between the dimensions is thin and shadows from the other universe seep through. Do you think that this might answer other types of paranormal questions? Yeah, something like psychics. Could psychic powers actually be people picking up on signals from another dimension? Well, that is an interesting theory. I mean, dreams do feel very real at times. But why are my other selves constantly looking for a bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's just a universal event, right? Yes. All right, folks, that is going to do it for us today. We appreciate you being here and joining us on our dream journey. I hope that you can see, like us, that dreams are weird and that there is still a lot that we don't know about them. Are they chemically driven? Are they subconscious driven? Are they spiritually driven or maybe even universe driven? The truth is, we really don't know. Why are some dreams entertaining, funny, and fill us with joy, while others are scary and fill us with anxiety? Unfortunately, there is still a lot about dreaming that remains a mystery. One thing that does seem to be certain, though, is that some dreams inspire and change the world. So, Go get some shut-eye and see what you can dream up. Until then, take care, folks, and we will see you next time. All right, folks, that is the end of this episode. We want to thank you for joining us and let you know that we appreciate you listening. If you have enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing through your favorite podcast player. You can also find us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you would like to share an experience, be on the show, or submit a story, you can do that through our email at prairielandparanormalpodcast at gmail.com or through our website at www.prairielandparanormalpodcast.com. So, until next time, remember, don't be normal if you can be paranormal.